You're listening to The Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Tuscaloosa. The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tide or Insider TV, Crimson Tide Kickoff, play-by-play for Alabama sports, and sports director for WVUA 23. It's time for The Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports, Tide 100.9, and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, let's do this. What a day. What a glorious day it is outside. It is absolutely beautiful. It's more like spring than than uh, late fall. Uh, but I tell you what, it's uh, it's gorgeous out there. And uh, everybody here in West Alabama that's an Alabama fan has certainly been <clears throat> on a cloud nine and, and buzzing since uh, Saturday when the Tide uh, uh, took down the Georgia Bulldogs 27-24. I had the exact score. <laughs> I had the wrong teams. I had I had Georgia beating Alabama 27-24. And uh hey listen, I I you know I'm not going to say it was reverse mojo, but um to some degree it was. I had picked Georgia 2 years ago and kind of felt like, you know, I'll stay with them and uh, I'm certainly happy that Alabama won the game and wild that I had the exact score. And I really came very close to reversing it last Tuesday night before Tider Insider TV. And I said, no, I don't want to put a jinx on Alabama. And uh, I stayed with Georgia 27-24, and it worked out great as Alabama won the game. And uh, and then we know what happened yesterday. Alabama's in the playoff. And uh, we'll get into it. I, I understand, um, you know, uh, if I were a Florida State fan, I would be irate. I would be just as upset as the Florida State fans that I've run across on social media as their players and their coaches. But it is a flawed system. It's been a flawed system. Uh, Danny Cannell, of course, is leading the, the, the rants for Florida State. But I'll remind him, and I know many of you remember this, in 1993, Florida State won their first national championship under Bobby Bowden and, and a West Virginia team that was unbeaten uh, finished behind them. And so um, – where was his outrage then as a player? Uh, well, there was no social media, but I haven't, I haven't heard him bring that up one time. So listen, my point is this. Somebody was going to be very upset yesterday. That's just the nature of this year. The final year of the 14 playoff, and we had a log jam. Somebody was going to get left out. And um, somebody was going to be upset. And and does it, it doesn't help your feelings any if you're a Florida State fan or maybe even if you're a Georgia fan. I mean, I'll, I'll put Georgia in there. Maybe if you're an Ohio State fan, you know? Uh, maybe if you're a fan of a team, even after that, you think your team is one of the best in the country. You know, I have not been a fan of the 12-team playoff. I've wanted an 18-team playoff. But I tell you this, 12 teams this year would have been great. Eight teams would have been even better to me. Could eight versus one, seven versus two, six versus three, and five versus four. It's unfortunate that the playoff is not in effect this year because there are some great teams that are getting left out. But I will say this, too. They could have sped the playoff off, playoff up. And some of the people that fought it, one of them was the ACC commissioner. And uh, he fought against getting that playoff in, um, you know, and, and a couple other commissioners did as well. We could already have a 12-team playoff if everybody had been on the same page. And then Florida State would not have gotten left out. So there's a lot of different things other than it's just not as black and white as people want to make it out to be. I, um, you know, I'm not going to do a victory lap, but I said on this show many times that if Alabama won out, they would be in the playoff. I said I did not live in a, wor- live in a world where a Alabama team that went 12-1 and in the SEC with a win over the top-ranked 29-game winning streak, two-time defending national champion Georgia Bulldogs, wouldn't be in the playoff. I was right, okay? And I don't take any any pleasure in that. 
from the standpoint of Florida State getting left out or, or Georgia getting left out or Ohio State getting left out or anybody else. But the facts were behind me in that argument in regards to what the SEC has done, what the SEC is, and what a win over the Georgia Bulldogs would mean for Alabama. Alabama's in the playoff. Like it or not, they'll play the Michigan Wolverines in the Rose Bowl in a college football playoff semifinal. Michigan, the number one seed. Alabama, the four seed. Alabama, two and a half point underdog. And it'll be the two seed, Washington, taking on the three seed, Texas, in New Orleans at the Sugar Bowl. Do I wish Alabama were playing in New Orleans? Absolutely. Be a lot easier on me and on Alabama fans. Although it's a great trip to Pasadena, great trip to Southern California. Incredible experience, but I've covered a Rose Bowl now. I wish it were in New Orleans. But at the same time, it is going to be out there. Alabama's going to get the number one team. So that's where we're at. You know, it is what it is. And, um, you know, the people that blame Alabama for this, you know, like Alabama, it's some conspiracy. You know, Alabama got selected by the committee. Somebody, again, was going to get, um, was going to get their you know, feelings hurt here. If, if, if Alabama had been left out, Alabama fans would be irate. So you're disappointed for Florida State because of the, what they accomplished on the field. At the same time, though, injuries are a part of the game. Their team is not the same team. If Jalen Milrow goes down for Alabama in week 11 or week 12, <clears throat> Alabama's not the same football team. That's part of it. It's, it's not just about what you've accomplished. It's about what your team is going to look like going into this playoff. And I'll tell you this. Nobody wants 65-7 to 7 again in a championship game. They just don't. I don't know how TCU beat Michigan last year, but they did. And they got in that championship game, and it was absolute demolition by Georgia. This year, we're not going to have that. We've got four teams. These are going to be competitive games. Michigan versus Alabama, Washington versus Texas, and then whoever is in the final. These are four major brands in college football. Alabama and Michigan and Texas, three of the biggest traditional brands in college football. You add in a Washington team out of the Pac-12 in the Pac-12's final year with all of that West Coast audience, and they've got a good tradition too. This is a great playoff field. All right, let me bring Justin Jones in here. And because we haven't had Justin's been out for a while, he's back. I'm Gary Harris, of course. And Justin, good to have you back, man. What a day for you to make a return here uh, to the Gary Harris Show with what's happening with college football. You know, you're exactly right. I was thinking, wow, I can't wait to be back because there's so much to talk about. And I was going to lean in there, but I think you're right, Gary. A lot of people are mad at Alabama, uh, especially FSU fans, that is. Texas is over them as well. Texas is a one-loss team, too. I mean, nobody is even even contemplating that aspect because simply they're going to say, well, Texas beat Alabama. doesn't matter. It's still a one-loss team. And they're in over over, um, Florida State, too. No, I'm with you, Justin. I thought the same thing. Listen, a lot of this outrage is because a lot of people don't want Alabama in the playoff. We know it. You know it. And that's just the reality of it. But this is the Gary Harris Show here on Tide 100.9 FM. Gary Harris, my main man, Justin Jones. <clears throat> I said it on Friday. I want to thank uh, uh, Noah Haynes again for what an amazing job he did while we were shorthanded. Uh, just going through the entire day running shows. But uh, he's going to get a little relief now. Justin's back with us. Hey, before we go any further, I do want to go ahead and let you know this hour of the Gary Harris Show is brought to you by Alabama Credit Union. Member-owned and not-for-profit, it's just a better way of banking. And Alabama Credit Union wants to remind you that you can make 
Memories, not payments. Take advantage of Alabama Credit Union's skip a pay for the holidays. Learn more at alabamacu.com. That's alabamacu.com, Alabama Credit Union. Loans for real life. Some rules and restrictions do apply. See if you're eligible for membership. Then join today and feel good about your money. Ample extra change in your pocket. All right, the phone lines are backlogged. This is uh, the First of Main Condos hotline at 205-342-9904. 205-342-9904 is the number. Give us a call, and we're going to go ahead and hit the phone lines in this first segment because they are backed up. Every line is full right now. If you're trying to get through, keep trying. Warren in South Carolina is going to lead us off. Hey, Warren, good to hear from you, man. <clears throat> hey, good to hear from you, Gary. Uh, I love the show as usual. As usual, just calling in. I'm not calling in the globe. As I said to you uh, last week, Alabama by three. Um, um, you bring up a great point. Everyone is mad at Alabama. Come, they're not mad at Texas. Um, Alabama played a great game uh, Saturday night. Um, what a lot of people are saying: Alabama has owned Georgia in Georgia. At every SEC championship game, no one really wants to play Alabama right now. The committee got it right. I agree with you. This would have been a great year for them to do eight game, not 12, eight game playoff series. But even when we get there, there are going to be people who will be upset. That's just the nature of the game. There are going to be people upset about who's in and who's out. That's just human nature, period. Because everyone believes they have the better team. So we got four great teams that will play, and then we'll come down with two great teams. Florida State won 13 games. They're not the same team without their quarterback. And if you watch their last two games, they were complete slippers. We would have another team you play a game and it would have been horrible. The committee understood that. I also saw a report or heard someone mention on the radio they needed Alabama there. Alabama's game against Chattanooga. The viewing audience, just Alabama playing Chattanooga, viewing audience was 4 million people. 4 million. Watch Alabama play Chattanooga. And that was on a stream, too. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Warren. So what does that tell you? No, they look at numbers. Oh, absolutely. hundred percent. And listen, <laughs> Alabama versus Michigan is going to move the meter, dude. That, 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 and that may that. have a chance to be the highest rated semifinal game we've ever had. I think we've got four outstanding teams. And that. This is going to set up. It's going to drive the meter towards those 12 games. Next year, those 12-game playoffs, the committee is going to have their hands full, and you're still going to have the blue blood at the top, quote-unquote, and it's still going to drive the meter again, and people will be upset again. So Florida State will have their chance next year. The five-power conference will have their chance next year, and we'll still be at this next year about who should be in and who should be out. How come SEC has four teams in? How come they have five teams in? We'll do the same thing next year. So, um, uh, but anyway, I just thought I'd call. It's 
say roll tide and we got Michigan and we're in. Thanks, Gary. Thank you, Warren. Great call. All right, let's get to one more call before we uh, have to hit to the break, and it is going to be Tom. Philip, you stay on hold. We'll get to you on the other side. And uh, all right, Tom, um, it played out the way that uh, Bama fans hoped it would, and the uh, Tide took care of Georgia, and the Tide is in the playoff. Gary, my admiration for you grows daily. <laughs> you come in there and you go reverse psychology for the second time this season and put us in the playoff. <laughs> and then you only did, the thing you did that I admire so much is you confirmed what I've been saying the latter part of the season, that God is a Bama fan. <laughs> well, And it is a fact. I'm not being sacrilegious, thank you. And um, what's sacrilegious about God being a Bama fan? Is your wife getting know. on you, Tom? Yeah, she's trying to get involved in my conversation here. <laughs> I may have to hang up and call you back if this don't stop. Oh, boy. Well, uh, I'll just tell you this, anyway, Tom. Gary, yeah. this is what I had to say. Yeah, go ahead. I am so sick of people like Connell, but more sick of somebody like Pollard that gets on there and talks about what a bad coach that Nick Saban is and how much better Kirby is because they don't have turnovers. They don't have penalties. What happened Saturday, Gary? Please tell me. Well, here's the thing that makes that so ironic <clears throat> is that he went on that that deal last week and said exactly what you said. Said, you know, Georgia's the better coach team. Kirby Smart's the better coach. Georgia doesn't make the, the stupid penalties. They don't make the mistakes. Alabama does. Georgia will win the game. And then he came back after the game and said, I know people want to hear this, but Georgia beat themselves with, with okay. I know. Well, duh. That's what you just said and not what would not happen. So which one is it? Well, then obviously Kirby's not a better coach than Nick Saban then. So, you know, whatever. And then <clears throat> I called in this morning. And Barry, if you listen, I'm sorry I was so hard on, but I was so infuriated by these talking heads, Brando and uh, Pollock and and so forth, and and Barry defended David Pollock last year, last week, saying he understood where he was coming from. Uh, uh-uh. uh, that ain't gonna go fly here. That ain't gonna fly around here. You gotta. Stand up and take your medicine because everybody, including those talking heads, were wrong. You got it, man. You pegged it. Bama, Bama's in, and people are scared to death that Saban's going to win his seventh at Alabama, and the Crimson oh, Tide's going to hang they, another banner. And, oh, uh, and then this morning, you know, when they showed the Michigan team yesterday. Oh, they wanted to play Florida State. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I don't they wanted the easy path. They wanted the easy path. Typical Yankees. And, um, but um, they, they showed, uh, you know what Barry's excuse for Michigan was? Oh, well, they, everybody was going to say that if they saw Alabama. They couldn't believe they got in. Not that they were scared they were going to play him. Please give me a break. <laughs> Well, Michigan will be ready to and, go. They're a good also, team. They're actually, they yeah, opened as a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Which, get all. all right. Warren, good call, buddy. Very good job. I love the reverse psychology <laughs> angle that you play. Thank you, Tom. 
All right, we got to get to the break. Michigan did open as a two and a half point favorite yesterday, which surprised me a little bit. I thought Bama would open at about two, but it's the other way. All right, it's nine seventeen. We're off and running on the Gary Harris Show. This hour being brought to you by Alabama Credit Union. Uh, when we come back, we're going to get to phone call by Philip two zero five three four two nine nine zero four. First to Main Condos Hotline two zero five three four two nine nine zero four. We'll be back after this with more of the Gary Harris Show on this uh, college football playoff Monday edition. Bama is in, going for another national championship. We'll talk more about the SEC title game. We'll hear from Nick Saban. We've got a great guest list that I didn't even run down for you, but I'll get to it now. Rodney Ward at 930. Uh, Reiner Saban from the Detroit Free Press, formerly of AL.com. He's covered the Michigan Wolverines for the last several years after covering Alabama. He'll break it down from the Michigan perspective at 10. Can't wait to catch up with Reiner. And then Casey Smith on golf at 1030. Justin Thomas finishing a solo third at the Hero World Challenge. So a lot to cover this morning. Your phone calls are welcome. 205-342-9904. We're back after this. University of Alabama. This is Crimson Tide today. It's a daily update on Bama sports and it's brought to you by Dex Imaging, the official copier and printer provider for Alabama athletics. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. Alabama wins the 2023 SEC championship by defeating Georgia 27 to 24 at the SEC championship game in Atlanta. Head coach Nick Saban met with the media after the win. Yeah, well, I think that um, I couldn't be a prouder of a bunch of guys uh, on a team that has come so far uh, from where we were second, third game of the season. Uh, I think this is a great example for a lot of people who want to be successful in terms of the perseverance that these guys showed, the character that they had to overcome adversity, the resiliency that they played with, and they're truly a team. Uh, everybody's together. Everybody trusts and respects the principles and values of the organization and the program and buy into them. They're all responsible for their own self-determination, which means they can go do their job. Um, so I couldn't be prouder of a bunch of guys, the progress that we made, the way we compete. I'll have more in a moment. You know, in today's world, companies are looking for business partners, other companies they can depend on to help make their business successful. At the Crimson Tide Sports Network, we have found that partner in Dex Imaging. So when it comes to office solutions and a partner you can depend on, give Dex Imaging a call. For more information, go to DexImaging.com. Dex Imaging, the official copier and printer provider of Alabama Athletics. Join us tonight for Crimson Tide men's basketball against Arkansas State. Our radio coverage from Coleman Coliseum will start at 6 p.m. across the network with tip-off at 7. Crimson Tide Today is brought to you by Dex Imaging. Crimson Tide Today is a production of the Crimson Tide Sports Network from Learfield. What's for dinner? Burgers? After last... Oh. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A beautiful day today. The sky's sunny, the high 62. Clear tonight with the low at 36. We stay dry tomorrow and Wednesday. Partly to mostly sunny both days with a cooling trend. The high tomorrow 58, the high Wednesday 52. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 53 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You see him on WVUA 23 covering sports and on Tider Insider TV on Tuesday nights. Don't miss a minute of The Gary Harris Show. Weekdays from 9 to 11 on Tide 100.9. I 
who told me Alabama wouldn't make it in, including Digger down in Louisiana. I don't know. Did Digger call in on Whippenberry today? Digger, where you at, man? Where you at? I, I told you Friday, call back either way. You know, I said if I'm wrong and Alabama's not in the playoff, I'll, I'll if they beat Georgia and they're not in, I'll take my medicine. But I told you to call in either way. Alabama's in. Digger said that would never, ever happen. But it did. All right, let's jump out on the uh, First Domain Condos hotline, 205-342-9904, and welcome in Philip. Uh, Philip, hey, man, good morning. Hey, hey, sir. Uh, again, I, I just w- would like to say that, you know, there's there's a lot of saltiness at Ooh, play boy. here. And, and I think I think Alabama actually, they, they shot more people than I believe um, <clears throat> folks thought was possible, uh, especially the... Uh, the riders and the and those kind of folks, I, I think that that created a lot of shock and it created a lot of saltiness. I didn't. I think a lot of people thought that you know George was going to win that game, and and after the game, I was on a high personally. You know that Alabama would get in, but as the night wore on and and we got into the uh, Florida State game, I started sinking a little bit. And and it was basically basically because of content that was created by a, a lot of writers, and and the writers had nothing to do with what the committee was going to decide, but it seemed like they were trying to exert their influence on the committee. For example, uh, after the Florida State game, which was a horrible game, um, as far as from a viewer standpoint, uh, but after that game, the CBS. Expert writers, there were about seven of them. One of them was uh, Barrett Sally, and he had a panel of like seven writers that, that gave their top four picks. And out of those 28 possibilities for the top four, there was only one writer that had, had Alabama in the top four, and that was some guy named Goldstein. I'm not sure who he is. But, but Barrett Sally, he also went off the rails with Pollock and some of those other folks. He was... He was hell bent on getting his opinion out there. Well, it's been, you know, everybody's had an opinion, that's for sure. And many of us in this business, uh, we, we, we have an opinion, and then even after it doesn't go our way, we don't want to admit we're wrong. And that's, that's where this thing is trended with social media is people, well, people are wrong, and then they want to come back and justify and still say that they're really not wrong. Everybody else got it wrong. And, uh well, I guess what I'm getting at is their, their, it seemed like their agenda was to sway the committee. Uh, I mean, it was just a, like a, an avalanche. They were, they were really trying to sway what the committee was going to decide, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I'm just a lay person. But Alabama had a job to do. They went to Atlanta. They spent the night, went to the, uh, to the stadium. There was an electric atmosphere. There were electric plays, uh, electric players, and, they did their job in front of a huge viewing audience. 
Well, Alabama absolutely did their job. I mean, again, they beat the Georgia Bulldogs. This is the SEC. There was no way, and I said it all along. And, again, I'm not taking a victory lap here, but I stated this from the time this became apparent that somebody was going to probably get left out and this was going to be a log jam. You heard me say it, Philip. I said, in the world I live in, I said this back when Justin was still working my show, and he's back this morning after taking a little bit of a break. Uh, I said, in the world I live in, a 12-1 Alabama, 9-0 in the SEC with a win over the top-ranked and undefeated two-time defending national champion Georgia Bulldogs, there's the world I live in does not include Alabama not being in that playoff. I said it. I said it every day on the show. I took flack from a lot of people, Barry Sanderson being one of them. And, you know, at the end of the day, that's the case. There was no way that the SEC champion, we know if Georgia won, they were in. If Alabama had gotten past Auburn, which they did, and then beat Georgia, there's no way they weren't going to be in a playoff. Okay? And they're in, and a lot of people don't like it. And, you know, I'm sorry. I mean, it's, it's a flawed system. I do think the committee got it right. I do not want to see Florida State, without their quarterback, play Michigan. I just don't, and most people don't, and it's it's a shame for Florida State, and I wish the playoff had were expanded this year. But again, the ACC commissioner was one of those three commissioners that fought this playoff coming sooner. So it is, you know, it, it, it is, is what it is, and it is it is just. But to sit here and have hate and venom toward Alabama because Alabama went twelve and one, and Alabama didn't cooperate with all again a lot of the people in my business that wrote them off. After the South Florida game, I said this was going to be a team that was going to lose three or four or five games, and the dynasty was over, and Nick Saban was in decay, and Alabama was a non-factor. Then Alabama beat Ole Miss, and they beat Texas A&M, and they beat Tennessee, and they beat LSU, and they just kept on winning, and people got mad about it. That that has a lot to do with this. That's a lot to do with the fact that Alabama did not cooperate with all the geniuses that predicted their demise, and now those people are having to... Well, they, don't, they won't eat crow. They won't take it because they, they refuse to accept that they were wrong. But that's got a lot to do with this. A lot of people are big mad that Alabama's in the playoff. They would have been less that's, mad if Georgia had gotten in. Uh, that's my point. You, you cleaned it up, though, Jerry, like you always do when I call. And you cleaned it up. But that's my point. Thank you, Philip. Appreciate it, man. Great stuff. 928 here on the Gary Harris Show. Hey, I told you um, we talked about this on um, – on Friday, Krispy Kreme is now on board with the Gary Harris Show. A Tuscaloosa tradition since 1960, the Smith family has provided West Alabama with delicious donuts and hot coffee. I mean, you cannot beat Krispy Kreme, particularly during the holidays. They've got holiday-themed donuts built around uh, Buddy the Elf <laughs> from the Elf movie. So get by and see them. Absolutely tremendous place to get a fresh treat, whether it's donuts coffee, espressos, go by 1400 McFarland Boulevard West. Krispy Kreme is open seven days a week. We're back with Rodney Orr from TyrantInsider.com, Insider TV, next right here on The Gary Harris Show. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. We're back 
here on the Gary Harris Show. You hear that music, you know it's time for Roddy Orr from TiderInsider.com, Tider Insider TV. Many of you have already texted me this morning. You're excited to hear from Rodney and get his thoughts and opinions on what uh, transpired over the weekend. Well, he is here. Rodney, you ready to roll? I'm ready. Let's just hit the ground running, man. What a weekend. First of all, Alabama uh, beat Georgia and 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 beat them. It uh, wasn't a fluke. Uh, give Georgia credit for hanging in and, and making that game, uh, forcing Alabama to take it right down to the wire and have to get a couple first downs to salt it away. But Alabama, I thought, controlled the football game. They were up 17-7 at half. Uh, they, they won the line of scrimmage, which is what you've got to be able to do when you play Georgia. They earned that win, and then they earned their way in the college football playoff yesterday where they'll play Michigan in the the college football playoff semifinal at the Rose Bowl. What a weekend, Rodney. Yeah, I mean, it was a game that obviously was, we, we said on Tider Insider TV uh, Tuesday night, the game of the year uh, in college football, not just the SEC, it was in college football. Uh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, I still believe that those are the two best teams in the country. I think they're the two most talented teams. Um, so we knew it was going to be, uh, uh, kind of a game of that magnitude, and and I'm with you. I mean, after the first series, uh, Georgia's first possession where they kind of marched it down the field, made it look really easy. You know, Alabama just came back and pretty much, I don't want to say dominated the game, but they certainly controlled the game. Uh, you know, I, and and again, they did a fantastic job every time Georgia challenged them down the stretch. Alabama responded, uh, you know, responded in a big way there in that last possession to to put the game away. So. Uh, you know, it was, a, it was a fantastic performance, incredible performance. I think when you look at this Alabama team, where they've come from, I mean, this is what everybody's saying. It's the obvious. But where they've come from from the second and third week is it's just incredible, you know, what they've done. And, you know, I would say this is a, a maybe uh, Nick Saban's greatest uh, coaching job here at Alabama. Rodney, back to the game from the standpoint of Jalen Milrow was named the SEC championship game MVP. He should have been. He led his team to victory. It wasn't his best game statistically. I don't think it was anywhere close to his best game. He had some missed throws. He uh, he took, a, I know, one terrible sack. Uh, but he was playing against a great defense. Let's be clear on that. And the guy just seems to have the clutch gene, <laughs> whether it's whether it's fourth and go from the 31 against Auburn or in this game. You know, after Georgia cut it to three, they've got two timeouts left, Rodney. There's still well over two minutes to go in that game. If Alabama has to punt, we don't know what's going to happen. Could be tied, go for time. Georgia could have won the game. The first down play, great call by Tommy Reese. He just said, Jalen, catch it and run with it, basically. And he went for, what was it, 25, 30 yards, got down in bounds to keep the clock running. And, you know, and then they got another first down to really put it away. But I thought that was a critical play after Georgia scored. And then on first down, Jalen bust a run and got down before they could push him out of bounds. Critical play in the game. That's that clutch gene that I'm talking about. He just has an ability to make plays when the game is on the line. Yeah. Um, you know, again, I think the shovel pass that he made to, uh, to Isaiah Bond was an incredible improvisation on his part uh you know it's great i mean i think he just has it and i think when jalen just plays like that you know plays loose doesn't overthink things you know he makes these kind of plays and i think it was a great call that tommy reese had uh on first down uh, they seemed to catch georgia a little bit flat-footed you know they put the ball in 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 milrose hands on that play and uh then i thought the the run up the middle there was another really good call that, that kind of sealed it when he uh, got the ball punched out but fell right back on top of it, fortunately. And, and at that point, you know, this game is over. And, I mean, it was, an again, it was an incredible performance. It was Jalen Milrow did struggle. He, he, he was not accurate at times, uh, you know, throwing the football. But he made throws when he had to. 
uh, and he made some throws under pressure. I mean, I think the throw to Jermaine Burton, when you look at the field level, you know, he had a guy really bearing down mm-hmm. on him, made a made a tremendous throw. Uh, you know, and again, he made several other good throws. The fourth and fourth throw was a you know that Bond made a great play, but I'm telling you, getting that ball off and putting some air under it and allowing Bond to make the play that was that was a big time throw too, in my opinion. So I'm with you. I mean, I think Milrow responded when he had to. Just a great win for Alabama, and you know, uh, Georgia won 29 in a row, but their last two losses are against the Crimson Tide in the SEC championship game. Now to the playoff, and it was inevitable. We saw this coming. Uh, there was a log jam. Somebody was going to be unhappy. Uh, you know, obviously, I, I'm I am disappointed that Florida State goes 13 and 0 and doesn't get in. If I were a Florida State fan, I'd be irate. But you know what? Alabama fans would be all right if they got left out. Georgia fans aren't happy. Um, you know, you can even make a case for Ohio State. It's too bad, I guess, that this year the playoff hasn't already been expanded. But one of the people that fought against that was the ACC commissioner. And Florida State fought against the expanded playoff. And so here we are at the end of the day. Rodney, I'm going to say what I've said all along. I said in the world I live in, there's no way Alabama goes 12-1, and beats Georgia, and isn't in the playoff. They're in the playoff. And, um, you know, I'm looking forward to the matchup against Michigan. I do think under the circumstances with which the committee was working, uh, people were going to get left out. Florida State does not have its quarterback. That is a different team. That was an ugly game against Louisville. Hard to watch. Uh, I agree with Alabama getting in. What about you? Well, uh, let me say this. I'm going to tell you, I I actually received a text from someone this morning, that extremely well-placed source. This wasn't even really close. I mean, the decision wasn't close. Uh, and, And it wasn't really between Alabama and Florida State if it was close. It was between Texas and Florida State. Forget forget what you see in terms of the rankings. I, I think Alabama, in their their minds, was probably number three at worst in this, and and so it really wasn't that between Alabama and Florida State, according to, like I said, an extremely well placed source. Uh, so um, you know, I know a lot of people being critical about that, but again, like you said, I think with the quarterback out. Uh, that, that makes Florida State a completely different team. You, you know, in a, in a way, I certainly understand the way Florida State feels. I mean, they had a great season. They were undefeated. They felt like they were a deserving team. But to be honest with you, how do you penalize other teams that are better, frankly, I mean, than, than Florida State? And, and let's be honest, if all these naysayers out there, whether it's Tim Brando, I'll name him, because he's gone out there and put his name out there quite a bit, um, you know, and some others, these naysayers, if they had to put everything they own on this game, between, on a game between Alabama and Florida State, who do you think they would put their money on? It would be Alabama. So Alabama's a better team. They're more deserving. And I think all of these teams are better than Florida State. So if you're better, then you're more deserving. Again, uh, uh, without your quarterback, I mean, I think that really hurt Florida State. If he would have been there, there's probably a really good chance that they might have uh, – been in the final four. Rodney, Danny Cannell, of course, played at Florida State, and he's been another, you know, he's been a Bama detractor for as long as I've been following him on social media, and obviously he's upset and disappointed. But again, the facts are the facts, and I wonder why he hasn't brought up that in 1993, and you'll remember this, when Florida State won the national championship under Bobby Bowden, they had a loss, and West Virginia Late didn't. In the season too. Yeah, and West Virginia was eleven and zero. Now West Virginia went to the Sugar Bowl in Florida, thumped them pretty good, but it didn't change the fact that they were eleven and zero. 
and they didn't get to play in the national championship game. And he, you know, Florida State benefited from that. And, you know, just be be transparent. Bring that up that, that you know, I bet he wasn't upset then. So I know that's 30 years removed, but it is what it is. I mean, a, an undefeated West Virginia team got left out of the national championship game. And Florida State, with a late loss that season, got in and won it. So, you know, let's keep let's keep this argument honest at least and point out how Florida State once benefited from a flawed system that wasn't the it wasn't the the football playoff but you know just your reaction to that I mean you think you would at least bring that up but no it's all been about and it isn't just about Florida State not getting in it is about the fact that Alabama got in and you said that it was probably between Texas and Florida State but nobody's brought that up that Texas is in with one loss it's only been the narrative on every show I've seen has been about Alabama getting in ahead of Florida State that's been it yeah um you know, I think really if, if I'm Danny Connell or whoever, I would say uh, maybe I wouldn't be so upset with this in terms of uh, Alabama getting in as much as maybe the ACC commissioner who apparently made the decision uh, to to join this, these other conferences, a couple other conferences, to uh, not extend the playoffs this year to, or expand the playoffs to uh, 12 teams. Absolutely. Otherwise, Florida State, uh, Florida State would have been in had they just simply – uh, the the ACC gone along with uh, you know these other conferences that wanted to go ahead and expand it this year. So, you know, if there would have been twelve teams, like it like it probably should have been or could have been, uh, you know, Florida State really would they be in right now? They'd be celebrating. So, um, you know, it is what it is. You have to pick four teams, and I think based on what we see, honestly, to be honest with you, Gary, it's not really the best four teams to me right now that are, that are in there. It, it, it and and I hate to say this in a way it is unfortunate for Georgia because I I don't think there's any doubt that the two best teams are Alabama and Georgia and you know the other ones that are in there Texas Washington and Michigan you know they they would probably round out the top five to me uh, but given that you know this game was what it was on Saturday it was it was a play in game it really was that's what it came down to and Alabama won the game. There's no doubt about it. All right, now Alabama's positioned, and I said earlier from a selfish standpoint, I'd much rather Alabama be in New Orleans just because of the logistical, you know, situation. But they're in Pasadena. What a great matchup at the Rose Bowl between Alabama and Michigan. Michigan, the number one seed. I was surprised that Michigan opened as a a two-and-a-half-point favorite yesterday. What do you think of this matchup? I really haven't seen much of Michigan, you know, that that much this year. Um, You know, so I, I don't know that much about them. You know, obviously this game, the Rose Bowl, it's historic for both schools. You know, I was thinking about it yesterday when it, uh, you know, came to light that it was going to be in the Rose Bowl. And I was thinking, wow, you know, Michigan's had some historic moments out there. And I'm like, wait a minute, <laughs> Alabama's had some very historic moments out there. You know, I mean, a great tradition uh, that Alabama's had in the Rose Bowl. That's where it all started. You know, that 1925 team that went out there and, and, and beat Washington and kind of became Dixie's football pride or whatever. You know, I think that uh, – so it's, it's a historic game from that perspective. Uh, and uh, But but now looking at this game specifically, again, I haven't really seen enough of Michigan. I know the quarterback is extraordinarily athletic, uh, you know, and he can he's got a really strong arm and, 
and I know he's again he's he's been a great player there at Michigan, and I know they've got some good running backs, and they're a really physical team, and all of that stuff. And I think Alabama's obviously you know the much faster team, greater speed, all of those types of things. But you know, I mean, I mean right now, I, I honestly, Gary, I would hate to say too much because I just haven't had a chance to to kind of sit down and get to know Michigan a little bit better. All right, um, I get that, and, and I'm going to have Reiner Saban on here at ten, so he'll he'll obviously be able to and break he'll it down. Know. No, he'll absolutely, know. he'll break it. He'll break it down for us on on Michigan. Back to this team and this season, Rodney, and and we've seen the joy on Nick Saban's face, man. Uh, we saw it in Atlanta after the game. I saw it yesterday watching the college football playoff selection show. Um, you know, they had the awards banquet last night. I think he is so happy for these players and so happy for their accomplishments, but at the same time, and he would never make it about him. He never has, but there's got to be some personal satisfaction in what was being said about this program, this team, him as a coach, even up right until before the SEC championship game was played. Um, I know you can't get your mind in the, in the, in the head of Nick Saban, but don't you think for him personally, even though he'll never say it, uh, this has got to be incredibly satisfying. Oh, uh, no question about that. I mean, I think, uh, you know, from his perspective is that, um, you know, as a team builder, as a leader, he's trying to get, you know, that mindset. Uh, and, and they he had to, in, in a very uh, adverse situations, you know, throughout the early part of the season especially, and then, you know, just the adversity that they overcame. I mean, you have to block out a lot of external things. Uh, this team could have folded after the South Florida game, or you know, I mean, it just—it did not look good. It looked pretty bleak. Uh, I mean, I think it takes the leadership and the vision uh, that a, that a great coach has, uh, and and it, they did. They kept chipping away and you know, developing and progressing each and every week. So I think from that perspective, the if you want to say the buy-in to all of the things that that make up this program, Nick Saban's program. I think certainly there's a great deal of satisfaction because you don't always get that. You know, sometimes you have great teams, great players uh, that make up these teams and, 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 you know, you even win championships, but you don't always have this incredible buy-in maybe that uh, this team kind of has exhibited throughout the season. I mean, and again, I, I have to say this too, and it was kind of a moving uh, interview because I think it was genuine. I think it was heartfelt. Jalen Milrow after the game. I don't know if you saw it, Gary, but he but he actually you know broke down and, mm-hmm. and cried and you know and 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 I feel for him because I mean I'm I'm happy for him uh, because I think that you know it is difficult when people are are saying things about you uh, and and it's not just him. Look, I've seen others come through here, so I'm not just saying Jalen Milrow's the only one, but a lot of people doubted him. And, you know, to, to be able to see him, you know, overcome the things that he's overcome. I mean, and, uh, you know, the emotion that he showed after the game. I mean, I think Jalen Milrow is, uh, you know, sometimes you, you're not always perfect on the field, but you, you find ways to win games. You don't give up. And I think that this team, I think his teammates kind of, um, you know, as much as they bought into Nick Saban, and, and what the coaching staff was doing, I think buying into what Jalen Milrow was doing, you know, not only for himself, not only proving for himself, uh, but, but, but for, to them, 
And I think they bought into what Jalen Milrow, uh, they bought into what Jalen Milrow has been doing. Yeah, as evidenced by last night, he, along with Dallas Turner and Malachi Moore, were named Alabama's permanent team captains for 2023 as voted on by the players. So that's, uh, I think that's one of the highest honors an Alabama football player can receive, Rod, is when you're voted on by your teammates as a permanent captain. And for those three guys, I think it speaks to how good of players they are, but also, uh, as you alluded to, the leadership, uh, the belief that their teammates have in them. That's, that's, that's a big honor. And you get to put those handprints and footprints and, you know, over there by Denny Chimes and that cement forever. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah it's what what a great honor! Yeah, you're right, and you know I think all of those guys were deserving, and you know I, I will say this, and 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 I, I think they probably they what there was three right three, you, you you really wish that there would have been four because I think Will Reichard, let's not let's not end this thing here today this segment without mentioning you know what he did what he accomplished right. now yeah. he's a leading scorer of all time and you know and and just the things that he's done and you know the achievements that he's had and. So, uh, you know, he's been, you know, a, a, a tremendous, tremendous player for Alabama. And you know what? It was his field goal, Gary, that, that really kind of won the game because, you know, people say, what did this game come down to? And, you know, you could look at two plays, George's missed field goal and, and the fumble uh, that they had and set up Will Reichard's field goal. So that the difference in the game was, was three points. So, And I want to say this, too, the defense, uh, what an incredible performance. What a what a job Kevin Steele and that defensive staff did from front to back. I think they did a fabulous job. And to me, to me, the big difference in the game was uh, defensively, Alabama not only adjusted, but what they did in those short yarded situations. I think those are the you know you look back to that national championship game when Georgia in those short yarded situations, how they pounded the ball in the second half. This this defense said you're not doing that. You're not lining up and running on us, and and they stopped them only 78 yards in the game rushing. So uh, I really think that was a big difference as well. Absolutely, no doubt about it. It was a true team effort, and that's what it takes. Because um, Ronnie, before we close it out, I want to say this uh, because George is really good. I was there. I mean, it, you know, and I've I've been watching them closely the last few years and the program that Kirby's built there, it's a sustainable program. They're a lot like Alabama. They're big, they're physical, they're fast, they're athletes everywhere. Um, you know, you've got to be sound in every area to beat them. So it was a true team win. You know, if you, you have a breakdown against that team and they're going to exploit it and, and Alabama outplayed Georgia, right? That's the bottom line. I, I like something that Saban said about the iron bowl, but I think it can apply to just about any, any game against a good team is that, you know, the most deserving team usually wins and Alabama deserved that victory on Saturday. Well, I think too, you have to look at it because Alabama has been in Georgia's position many, many times, long winning streak, you know, dominating the kind of the, the college football. They won the last two national championships and, you know, there comes a game when you're playing a, a really, really good team that's as good as you are, as talented as you are, as well-coached, maybe even better coached than, than you are. Uh, but you but you play a team like that, and they've got one edge. The one edge they have uh, is, is, is hunger. I mean, they've got that. And, and I think Alabama had a little bit of an edge in that regard. Alabama had a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. You know, Georgia's getting all the – glory over the last few years and rightfully so they've done a tremendous job but eventually uh you know you you meet a team in a game like that and they have a little bit of an edge and you know alabama i think had that in, in this particular game 
All right, finally, Rodney, this Final Four is a very, it's a tradition-laden Final Four. I mean, Alabama, Michigan, and Texas are two of the biggest brands in the history of college football. Washington's a fine program representing the Pac-12 in its final year. You get the West Coast. I think this Alabama-Michigan game, the ratings will be off the charts. But if Alabama has, you know, has to win, obviously, but, you know, there's a possibility. Uh, that we could get an Alabama-Texas rematch for the national championship. Unfortunately, it'd be in Houston, but still, wouldn't that be something? Just kind of just throwing that out there. Wouldn't that wouldn't that be some kind of way to finish out the season? Well, it really would. You know, especially with you know Texas coming here to Tuscaloosa and then Alabama going there to Houston. That's where the game would be played. And yeah, I mean, if you want to look forward, it would be a <laughs> that'd be incredible. You know, you've got another Nick Saban disciple you know, in, in this national championship game. And, you know, really, uh, you know, I, I really don't know, but but things I've heard is that that, that game has really kind of stuck in Nick Saban's crawl, you know, mm-hmm. a little bit. Uh, so I, I think where you're talking about having a, a little bit of an edge maybe, and I think Texas has really gotten better. I think their defensive front, Bo Davis has done an incredible job with that defensive front. They're, they've been pretty dominant to me. Uh that, to me, that's the most dominant part of their team. But with all that said, I do think Alabama might would have a little bit of an edge going into that game psychologically. Well, Rod, great stuff. And uh, Alabama's going to begin soon preparing for national championship run. But at the same time, you're also now the portal's open. You're dealing with the portal. Uh, recruiting continues. There's so much going on. In fact, the portal, you know, I was shocked that Kyle McCord, the Ohio State quarterback, went in the portal, Rodney. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of that's where we're at. Yeah, I mean, it's it's amazing. They're jumping in. You know, I know I'm getting people texting me left and right with all these different things, and, you know, it's certainly uh, helpful to me, but I'm getting all these different texts, Gary, of these guys jumping in the portal. The, the Washington State quarterback apparently has multiple offers yeah, uh, for a lot yep. of yeah, for a lot of money to go different places. And I know that Auburn was trying to recruit him really hard. Sounds like maybe he'll end up elsewhere, but – um, you know, yeah, I mean, it's just amazing. And I, and I think there's more to come. Yeah. You know, there's a, there's more to come. Yeah, already. DJ Ungalele, Dylan Gabriel, Cam Ward, Riley Leonard, now Kyle McCord. It's unbelievable. Hey, Rod, uh, real quick, tell people where they can find you. Tighterinsider.com. It's only $48 a year. You can get instant access with your credit card. Or if you prefer, there is an address there to send a check, and it gives you all our premium information. But also... Our all-sports forum, that's our community of Alabama fans. I'm just telling you, it has been incredible. Incredible weekend on TitorAndSutter.com, on our message board, our, our, our community there. I mean, it, it's been nonstop. All right. Appreciate it, Ronnie. Okay, buddy. Take care. All right, 954. We'll be back and wrap up hour number one right after this. Krispy Kreme is a Tuscaloosa tradition. Much as Innisfree has evolved, it will always be that place to escape and have a good time. Whether it's for a game day weekend, to reminisce on college days, or to create new memories, if you're looking for a good time, there's only one thing to do. Head to the free at 1925 University Boulevard. And don't forget about the Lucky Lunch Meat and 3 special. Monday through Friday from 11 a.m. until 2 p.m., get a meat and 3 vegetables for just $8.49. Or for a lighter appetite, try the Lucky Lunch soup, salad, or sandwich combo. I'll see you at the free. Life doesn't wait for when your finances are in perfect order. It just happens, but no matter what surprises come your way, Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. They offer an easy application process and fast decisions so you can stay focused on feeling good about whatever life brings your way. Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. Alabama Credit Union, loans for real life. Visit alabamacu.com to learn more. Some rules and restrictions apply. See if you're eligible for membership, then join today and feel good about your money. 
Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A beautiful day today. The sky's sunny, the high 62. Clear tonight with a low at 36. We stay dry tomorrow and Wednesday. Partly to mostly sunny both days with a cooling trend. The high tomorrow 58, the high Wednesday 52. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 54 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You're listening to The Gary Harris Show. Oh, Alabama Sports. Tide 100.9. And streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right. Uh, fast first hour, as we figured it would be. Fast second hour coming up. We're going to start off with Reiner Saban from the Detroit Free Press breaking down Michigan. We'll have uh, Casey Smith on golf. More of your phone calls. We'll hear from Nick Saban yesterday after the Tide uh, was selected for the final spot in the college football playoff. All that coming up in the second hour. This hour has been brought to you by Alabama Credit Union, member-owned and not-for-profit. It's just a better way of banking. we got another hour on the way, right here on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM, WTBC. And W265CG Tuscaloosa, a town square media station. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. From the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles. Here's Nick Cope. College football's transfer portal is picking up steam. Just this morning, Ohio State quarterback Kyle McCord and Oklahoma quarterback Dylan Gabriel have entered the portal. McCord helped lead the Buckeyes to an 11-1 regular season, while Gabriel has started the last two years for the Sooners. Injury news in the NFL. Giants quarterback Terod Taylor has been designated to return from injured reserve and will practice today. He's been dealing with an injury to his ribs. Titans running back Derrick Henry is in concussion protocol. His status for their game next Monday night is now in question. Reports say Steelers quarterback Kenny Pickett will have ankle surgery today, but Pittsburgh will not be placing him on injured reserve. On the field, Packers beat the Chiefs 27-19 on Sunday Night Football. Green Bay holds the seventh seed in the NFC. Niners blew out the Eagles 42-19, but Philly still the one seed. Always live. Always local. Dependable news coverage. The latest news, only from the Tuscaloosa Thread Newsroom. McFarland Boulevard was closed in both east and westbound lanes this morning at James I. Harrison Parkway after a fatality involving a pedestrian struck by two vehicles. The annual Christmas tree lighting is 515 today at the Tuscaloosa County Courthouse. It's followed by the West Alabama Christmas Parade with the theme, A Hometown Christmas, at 630. And security for the Republican presidential debate has forced the closing of 2nd Avenue from University Boulevard to the entrance of Capstone Parking Deck today through Wednesday. Latest local news in Tuscaloosa. Bama Sports Updates. And severe weather information. Download the free Tuscaloosa Threat app. Never pay for your news. And sign up for our daily newsletter with news updates. Los Tarascos has been serving Mexican favorites like burritos, fajitas, and quesadillas since 1999. Their new location is at 4100 Owen Parkway in Northport. And, of course, you can find Los Tarascos in Tuscaloosa at 110 Skyland Boulevard. The bar areas feature big screen television so you can enjoy your favorite sporting events. Los Tarascos features daily 
happy hour specials. And for the best Mexican cuisine in West Alabama, remember, the name is Los Tarascos with locations in Tuscaloosa and Northport. The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tider Insider TV, Crimson Tide Kickoff, play-by-play for Alabama sports, and sports director for WVUA 23. It's time for the Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Wow. How about that hour number one? We did not stop, and we're going to keep it moving in just a moment here with Ryder Saban from uh, Detroit Free Press. i got to remind you, this second hour of the Gary Harris Show brought to you by my good friends Paul Patterson and Mike Comer. Patterson Comer, attorneys at law. Patterson Comer is dedicated to serving our clients. Integrity and excellence are the driving force behind the firm and its staff. And again, I say this all the time. I've got nothing against the 1-800 law firms. They'll, they'll help you. But you know what? Do you really want to deal with somebody that you'll probably never meet in person? Uh, you deal with them on the phone. Uh, they're going to look to turn around and get you a settlement as quick as possible. Sometimes that's not what's best for you. Feet on the ground in West Alabama with Paul Patterson and Mike Comer. They'll see you in their office, eyeball to eyeball, and they'll be with you the entire way, even if you have to go to court. So if you are involved in an automobile accident or some type of personal injury situation, wrongful death, product liability, whatever it is, call Patterson Comer. You can reach Paul in Tuscaloosa at 205-345-1000. Mike's in Northport at 205-759-3939. The commitment to serve our clients does not stop at the end of the workday. We're available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. PattersonComerLawFirm.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of services performed by other lawyers. And as promised, Reiner Saban from Detroit Free Press covers Michigan. Of course, used to cover Alabama, uh, AL.com, and uh, gave him a call last night. And even though he was flying back in from Indianapolis this morning, uh, he graciously agreed to join us. Good morning, Reiner. Hey, it's good to be here. Man, good okay. to have you on. Tell me again now, was it was it 2019 when you left AL.com to go to D- Detroit? When was it? Yeah, that, that was 2019. Yeah, and that was funny because uh, obviously uh, Alabama ended up in the Super mm-hmm. Bowl against Michigan <laughs> that year. So, I mean, it was only a few months that we were, were reunited, I guess. <laughs> yep, and uh, man, looking forward to uh, to reading your coverage leading up to the game. Uh, this time the stakes are raised. Uh, that was a that was a big football game, but uh, it's not what's at stake here in the Rose Bowl coming up in the college football semifinal. Michigan ranked number one, uh, Alabama number four. Uh, Michigan opened as a two and a half point favorite on Sunday, which surprised me just a little bit. I thought Alabama would be a slight favorite, but the Wolverines are favored. Just your 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 you know just your initial thoughts on this matchup. Yeah, I think it's going to be a, a tough matchup for um, Michigan, uh, just because I think you know again Alabama's defensive front could create some issues. Uh, this Michigan offensive line isn't quite as good as the last two offensive lines, and the, even those offensive lines struggled in uh, the college football playoff. And so I think that's going to be um, maybe where the game is decided. Uh, I also think you know again some of uh, some of the issues that Jalen Milrow can create uh, for Michigan, because when you when you look at the Big Ten, they just don't have that kind of quarterback, or and Michigan hasn't really faced that kind of quarterback. I mean, they they face sometimes a guy who can just run like a Brendan Forsby at Indiana, and a guy who can throw like Kyle McCord at Ohio State, but they haven't seen a guy who can really do both quite as well as. Uh, uh, Jalen Milrow. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how they defend uh, Alabama and whether uh, Jalen Milrow can create a lot of issues for for Michigan. I agree with you 100. Um, percent 
I want to get to more of the Michigan side of the football and, and what they bring to the table in just a second. But for this game, uh, in addition to two of the most most iconic brands in college football playing at the Rose Bowl. Also, you know, some controversy. We know what had happened with Michigan with the, with the sign stealing and Harbaugh yep. having to sit out three games. And here's Alabama, which for a lot of people is public enemy number one, um, you know, because of the Florida State controversy. So in addition to the great football tradition, there's going to be uh, a lot of animosity, I think, toward both of these teams from from some of the public. It's uh, It's interesting in that regard, too, isn't it, Reiner? Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, obviously you've got some really, story, you know, big storylines that are uh, coming into this game. Um, Michigan's really had to deal with a lot this year with, uh, you know, Jim Harbaugh's been suspended twice, once by the school, once by the Big Ten, uh, each for three games. So he's missed a half the season, uh, at least as it pertains to being on the sideline for the game. Now he's been able to coach during the week. And, uh, you know, as far as you know, Michigan, they've, they've been able to kind of block out distractions to credit to the players. They, they have developed a much better culture since the last time Alabama uh, played Michigan in that Citrus Bowl. I mean, the, the, the mentality of the program has improved significantly since then, and uh, they're more unified, and I think the, there's more buy-in amongst the players. But, you know, again, as the big question with Michigan, I mean, they, they've historically not done well in the postseason. I mean, they're 21 and 29 in bowl games and, you know, they go outside the conference footprint and it doesn't seem to go as well for them. So it'll be, it'll be interesting where, you know, again, Alabama, you know, comes in as the four seed, but they have such a stronger track record in the postseason. I mean, Nick Saban is six and one in college football playoff semifinal games. He's won nine times in the college football playoffs. So, uh, whereas Michigan obviously is 0 and 2, and Jim Harbaugh's you know has lost his six last six bowl games, so I think uh, Alabama in some ways has the advantage, even though there's a four seed. Yeah, and and I'll, I'll dig uh, more into this coaching matchup in a moment. But for Harbaugh, yeah. uh, he does deserve a lot of credit because it wasn't that long ago we were wondering right. if he was going to make it. I mean, he, sure. you know, I mean, couldn't beat Ohio State. Had had not lived up to the expectations that Michigan had when it hired him, and and uh, now all of a sudden he's won three in a row against the Buckeyes. He's in three straight college football playoffs. They're the number one seed, so he has uh, kind of gotten off the the mat a little bit because again, I even down here in Alabama there was some. A lot of chatter about he might not even make it. Yeah, no, you're right. And one of the things that he did was he changed up his defense in 2021. Started to kind of make it look like an NFL defense. Honestly, starting to make it look like an Alabama defense with that kind of, uh, you know, a a front that, you know, can alternate between three-man and four-man and, you know, much like Alabama does. And they were getting some of these bigger guys that that, that they didn't have. Uh, before that, and Don Brown's system, the previous defensive coordinator, uh, they had much smaller guys up front. I mean, they had a guy that played defensive tackle for them that ended up being a linebacker in the pros. Uh, uh, and so, I mean, that's a that's a huge difference, obviously, in size. So um, they they've improved in that regard. And I think you know Jim Harbaugh has made some uh, made a good. Uh, uh, decision by going back to his roots. I mean, they kind of uh, gambled a little bit with uh, Josh Gaddis's speed in space. And Josh Gaddis obviously came directly from Alabama after being uh, the receivers coach and uh, um, kind of being Mike Loxley's right hand man. And 
you know, it didn't really work out well when they when they tried to do the speed and space system. I mean, they went back to kind of more of a ground and pound mm-hmm. philosophy, and it's really worked for them. And you know, it's a credit to Jim Harbaugh; he's been able to get uh, that program back to um, you know, again, national prominence, uh, and has kind of fulfilled the expectations that were kind of set forth for him when he initially took the job in December 2014. Ryder Saban with us from the Detroit Free Press, breaking down uh, the Michigan Wolverines for us as Alabama and Michigan will play in the uh, Rose Bowl and the college football playoff semifinal. Let's get to Michigan personnel-wise on offense. J.J. McCarthy, the quarterback, great numbers. I mean, 74.2% uh, completion rate, 2,630 yards, 19 touchdowns, just four picks, Big Ten quarterback of the year. Uh, I mean, the numbers look good. I've watched some TV games with him at times. I thought, man, this guy's elite. And then other times I've watched him, and I'm like, He's average. You you've seen him every game. What do you what do you make of JJ McCarthy, and how do you think he'll perform against this Alabama defense? I, I think you're you're on to it. I mean, I think at times he's looked like you said a lead, and then other, at other times he's looked you know rather mediocre. I mean, some of his you know passes are inaccurate, and he gets himself into some dicey situations. Um, that's always been the the biggest fear with uh, with JJ McCarthy is uh, you know how reckless is he going to be. Um, because, uh, again, in, in the college football playoff last year, I mean, he threw two pick sixes um, and, uh, you know, really put Michigan in the hole early on against TCU that, and then uh, made it much harder coming back when he threw another another pick six, as I alluded to before. But, yeah, I mean, it, that's the question. I mean, can he um, make some of the, you know, the razzle-dazzle plays without – uh, going too far and, and maybe putting them in harm's way, and uh, you know. But uh, again, he's the he's the best quarterback that Jim Harbaugh has had at least at the college level since Andrew Luck. I mean, he basically said that. Jim, I asked him, Jim Harbaugh that earlier this year, and he agreed that you know basically he's he's the closest thing to Andrew Luck that he's had at least at the college level since. Uh, yeah, and uh, in, in that sense, I mean. You know, Jim Harbaugh has full faith in McCarthy, uh, and they're going to need him. I mean, that's the difference. Uh, that's why Michigan may even have a chance against Alabama is if McCarthy plays at a really elite level because they're not going to really be able to just run the ball and pound it like they can against the rest of the Big Ten and the way that they generally try to win games in this conference. It, it's just not going to translate against a team like Alabama. They're too athletic. Uh, across the board on defense. So they're going to need a playmaker at quarterback to do something. Speaking of that ground and pound, though, Blake Corum seems to kind of be the heart and soul of this offense. Just a tough kid, yeah. uh, 24 touchdowns, um, you know, great around the goal line, but he's he's got a little burst to him, too, but just hard-nosed, tough, downhill runner. Um, he's been critical to the the success of that offense, right, Reiner? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, he, he's been very, I mean, he's been essential to them. And like, like you said, you described it perfectly. He is the kind of the heart and soul of the team, um, you know, really represents what, what Michigan likes to do, uh, has been a very strong leader there. And, uh, you know, again, he's, he's very reliable. I mean, he'll get you a couple yards. He'll make, you know, a two-yard uh, gain into a four-yard, operates pretty well in tight spaces, Uh He's, he's much more consistent than the other running back, Donovan Edwards, who maybe has more uh, top-end speed um, and can do some more things out in space, although he doesn't have nearly the wiggle that uh, Blake Corum does. And so Corum is really is kind of their um, 
is somewhat of their dynamo that just kind of kind of keeps it going and helps them stay ahead of the chains a lot of the time. And at the receiving position, Roman Wilson, uh, we never, you know, even though Michigan's had some great receivers, uh, going back to, you know, Anthony Carter and, and behind, yeah. beyond Manningham, others, uh, Roman Wilson has 11 receiving touchdowns, which is, uh, I don't know where that ranks on the Michigan scale, but I know it's pretty high probably in the history of the program. Yeah, yeah, he's he's a, he's a good player. I mean, he's, he's a smart, savvy player. Like, uh, he'll find soft spots in zone coverage and, and get himself open. I, I do wonder how he'll match up against some of the, uh, <laughs> you know, the Crimson Tide, you know, DBs like Terrain Arnold and and such. Because I, I, his problem is that you know he, he struggles to get separation against okay. some of these you know, more physical defensive backs, and I think that's going to be the the question mark across the board with the receiver group, whether Cornelius Johnson and Roman Wilson can actually get separation against Alabama's DBs. I think I think Michigan's going to be looking for the tight end and hoping they can, uh, you know, find some, uh, you know, passing lanes, you know, in the middle. Although that's obviously something that, uh, and especially along the seams, but that's obviously something that Nick Saban guards against. I mean, part of his whole defensive scheme is to guard against not allowing passes over the seams. So I mean, that's uh, that's going to be an interesting matchup. I think it's actually the tight ends versus. Uh, Alabama safeties and linebackers. Ryan or Saban with us, breaking down the Michigan Wolverines. Defensively now, Michigan has been really good. Uh, a little more than 10 points a game. Um, haven't given up many touchdowns. Uh, total defense is 246.8 yards per game. They've scored several touchdowns defensively. Uh, again, I don't know week in to week out what they're facing offensively. And I know Jalen Milrow, as we've talked about, can be a problem for a defense. But this Michigan defense has been solid and consistent throughout the season. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're much more athletic than they get and uh, bigger than they were, uh, you know, again, the last time they played Alabama. I do wonder about the offense. I mean, most if you look at the leaders in, you know, total defense and scoring defense, you generally see a bunch of big team, 10 teams up there. And part of the reason is because there's just hardly any good quarterbacks and not many very uh, dynamic passing offenses in the big 10. So I think some of the defensive statistics are skewed by that. And um, yeah, so I, I don't know if uh, those numbers are really relevant when it comes to Alabama. I do think that, you know, again, Michigan does have some really solid defensive players. I mean, uh, Will Johnson's a really good corner on, and then and then Mike Stanford still who's the fifth year kind of nickel guy. The guy just makes plays. I mean, he's uh, was a converted receiver, and he's just uh, made the made a smooth transition and uh, uh, to DB, and is, it, it, it seems to always find his way around the ball. So that's a player to watch. If I'm Alabama, I kind of want to kind of uh, basically avoid him. Uh, because it seems like he comes up with something every every game, and then they've got some some decent linebackers. I mean, Junior Colson is solid, uh, um, you know, at, at middle linebacker, and then Michael Barrett is a six-year guy, so he's just got a lot of veteran savvy, um, and then and then they're able to create some pressure through their interior tackles. You know, watch out for a guy like Kenneth Grant and Mason Graham. I mean, he can they can they can create some some problems up the middle. But again, I think they're going to have a hard time 
bringing Joe and Milrow down. And even if they're able to get some pressure up the middle, Milrow's athletic enough to get outside the pocket and create some plays uh, by just extending them uh, and and keeping and buying time and and being able to create some options for the receivers downfield. Ryan, before I turn you loose, let's get back to the head coaches. This is a really interesting coaching matchup. You've got Nick Saban, who arguably is the greatest to ever do it in college football. Uh, you got Jim Harbaugh, who's trying to return Michigan to glory. Uh, Harbaugh had great success in the NFL with the 49ers. Um, these people that write Saban off as a failure with the Dolphins, he was 15 and 17, 9 and 7 and 6 and 10. And, and sure. Dolphins would have loved to have had him back, and he could have gone back to the NFL. So I think this stuff about him being a failure in the NFL is overplayed. But Harbaugh did have more success as an NFL head coach. But now they're two polarizing personalities. Um, I think a lot's going to be made out of this matchup between the two head coaches. Who do you give the advantage to? I give it to Nick Saban. I mean, absolutely. I mean, he's shown that. I mean, he has. I mean, he has a wide, thick portfolio of signature victories. I mean, Jim Harbaugh. I mean, he's got a. He's got a few. I mean, again, the Ohio State wins are big and totally changed his tenure. But he doesn't have anywhere near the uh, success and experience uh, in these kinds of situations that Nick Saban does. And so. Again, I, I, I referenced the six and one mark that Saban has in college football playoff semifinals. He really learned from that that first loss to Ohio State in 2014. Has won every semifinal game since then. Uh, you know, again, Jim Harbaugh's uh, you know lost six straight bowl games and doesn't seem to have his team as sharp. You know, coming into these kind of games after a long layoff as, as Saban does, and I think you know that's part of why. You know, Saban's so great. I think he's, you know, extremely well organized and really thoughtful in his approach. I don't know if Jim Harbaugh has the kind of discipline and consistency uh, to be able to execute a plan. And I think, you know, sometimes maybe they get away from themselves in that three week stretch. And so uh, he's a little bit more, dis- he's much more disorganized than, say, Nick Saban is. Uh, they, w- they do it in different ways. I think Harbaugh's a very good uh, coach from a, fundamental standpoint i mean they don't make many mistakes he coaches pure execution and that's where he you know wins his games but you know saban is much more of a a a complete manager and ceo of his program i think a little bit than than jim harbaugh is all right Ryder. we're nearly a month away from the game uh and certainly you know i'm not going to ask you to make a prediction because you got to write and cover and preview and all that stuff but it sounds like in your analysis that you're favoring Alabama in this matchup? I do. I mean, you know, um, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's funny. It's, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, in the paper, I, I picked Michigan by a point, but you know, in my heart of hearts, I did that just because, um, you know, again, I picked them to, I think, you know, compete in the national title game. So this is before the season. So I just, uh, but when I really look at it on paper, and I consider all the factors as far as Saban versus Harbaugh and in the coaching matchup and just Saban's expertise uh, in these situations uh, and experience, I, I tend to favor Alabama. And also, I think, you know, Milrow, again, it presents a, a whole new type of quarterback that, you know, Michigan is not used to facing. So, yes, I, I, I do, I, I, you know, thinking about it, I more and more I favor I favor Alabama in this one. Well, great stuff, man. Buddy, I appreciate uh, you jumping on and uh, 
catching up with with us here in Alabama. And for the listeners out there, let them know how they can find you, whether it be social media, your website, and because uh, I know they're going to be wanting to read your coverage leading up to the game. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's just uh, freep.com, F-R-E-E-P.com, and uh, my Twitter handle is just my name, uh, at uh, Reiner Sabin, R-A-I-N-E-R-S-A-B-I-N, not A-N, like, like Coach Sabin. Thank you, Reiner. Good to, good to catch up, man. Look forward to talking to you again soon. Okay, take care, Gary. Thank you. All right, Ryan are some great stuff there uh, from the Detroit Free Press, breaking it down from the Michigan perspective. Hey, it's 1023, and we are going to break away. We've got uh, Casey Smith on golf coming up at 1030, Justin Thomas with a really good performance at the Hero World Challenge, and more to golf discussion with him. we got time to squeeze in a phone call here on the other side. In the second hour, the hotline is being brought to you by Krispy Kreme Donuts. The Krispy Kreme hotline is open at 205-342-9904. 205-342-9904. Give us a call on the Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline we'll be right back with more of the gary harris show after this the birmingham racecourse casino seven days of tide 100.9 tuscaloosa weather a beautiful day today the sky's sunny the high 62 clear tonight with the low at 36 we stay dry tomorrow and wednesday partly to mostly sunny both days with a cooling trend the high tomorrow 58 the high wednesday 52 i'm james Spann on the abc 3340 weather center on tide 100.9 it's 59 degrees in tuscaloosa Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com or download the free Tide 100.9 app. The Crimson Tide will not be denied. Tide will not be denied in Atlanta at the SEC Championship game or in the college football playoff. 1027, welcome back into the Gary Harris Show. Hey, first in Maine Condominiums, uh, downtown, beautiful, historic Northport. Dickens downtown tomorrow night, by the way, um, has some units available right now. And uh, I absolutely love living there. I'd encourage you to uh, take a look. You can find out more at firstdomaincondos.com or give them a call at 205-657-7465, 205-657-7465, or 205-310-7191. And... Um, Get by and take a look. Uh, Three-bedroom, three-and-a-half bath, 10-foot ceilings, modern appliances, washer and dryer, beautiful views of the Black Warrior River, uh, historic downtown Northport. I mean, just a great place to live, so uh, check them out. All right, let's jump out on the Krispy Kreme condo. Uh, Krispy Kreme, uh, I got First and Main Condos hotline in my mind from the first hour, Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline. And welcome in, Ellis. I'd call Ellis a watermelon man. He's going to get me that, that, that yellow meat watermelon this summer. He's already promised me. Hey, good, good morning, Ellis. What's up, buddy? Good morning there, Gary Harris. Uh, what an amazing time I had this weekend. What an amazing football game. It really was a great game. Uh, yes, it was awesome to be be able to be there live and see it and enjoy all the festivities. Uh, pretty awesome. Uh, I just want to say that uh, I love my football team. They, they fought hard through the year. I mean, through the season and then work from where they started to where they're at now. Uh, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, it is. It, it, it really is. And uh, and I when I was on Coach Saban's radio show, I wanted to ask him about that. Uh, but we ran. He had to leave early that night, of all things, and I didn't get to. I wanted to ask him. You know, there's been so many teams he's had. Ellis, you know, what I'm talking about. You didn't really see the improvement because they were good. They were good from the first game. You know what I mean? They were they were really good. This this is the team from all the teams that he's coached at Alabama. I you from week to week, you didn't have to be a coach or player. Fans could see how much better. 
Jalen Milrow was getting, how much better the offensive line was getting, how much better the pass rush was getting. You literally, as a fan, could see this team improve from game to game. It was amazing. I, I didn't give up hope, you know, because like you said, you've seen stuff get better and better as each game went on. So uh, I, I stayed with them, you know, as a true fan should. Well, you know, I said all along, Ellis, you heard me say this here on the show. I said, this team's going to be really good come November. The key is, can they make November matter? And what I meant was, could you could you stay unbeaten after losing to Texas to get to November with something on the line? And they were able to do that. And now we see what they've done. I mean, they were able to parlay that winning streak right through November, win that Iron Bowl, win the SEC championship. And now they're going to compete for a national championship. So it's incredible. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's pretty amazing. Uh, but uh, I'll let you go because I know you got uh, the golf uh, guy coming up next. But I just had to call in and get my uh, three cents worth. I'm still trying to get my voice back, by the way. <laughs> well, I'm glad you did, my friend, and we'll talk to you again soon. All right, roll time. All right, thank you, Ellis. And as uh, Ellis said, we got Casey Smith on golf coming up in the next segment. Also want to remind you that the YMCA of Tuscaloosa has that brand new cardio equipment and I've been on it. It's unbelievable. Treadmills, stair climbers, bicycles, I mean, individual TV screens. You can get on the internet and, and browse it while you're riding the, the bike or on the treadmill. On-demand fitness programming, streaming and Bluetooth capability. It's just unbelievable. And the YMCA was already great. And uh, this past week was a huge week. They had the Open Doors Wellness Week. A lot of people came by and checked it out. Uh, you need to join today. Get ready for the new year. The YMCA of Tuscaloosa, conveniently located at 2300 13th Street downtown. Or we'll be back with Casey Smith on golf right here on Top 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC, The Gary Harris Show. Alabama sports, as well as the national and local scene as well. The Gary Harris Show, only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, 1034, welcome back into the Gary Harris Show. Let's jump out on the Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline and welcome in Casey Smith on golf. And we got a lot to cover with Casey, and we'll talk, of course, uh, Bama football with him as well. Good morning, Casey. Good morning, Gary. Fired up, excited, and couldn't be happier over here in Atlanta, Georgia. I know you are, and we'll get to the game in a moment and, and the uh, college football playoff. But we're going to start with golf and some huge news. And, I, and I'm glad that you are up to date on this and, and because I want to find out. I, I still haven't quite figured out what's going on. The USGA and the RNA uh, announced um, that they are going to have the, the golf ball rollback that I'm in favor of. I have been in favor of it for a long time, for, as you know, for professionals. I think they're hitting it too far. You can't keep extending courses. I, I, What I'm not clear on is this is going to impact me because I want to play whatever golf ball I want. I want to play a golf ball that can give me as much distance as I can get because I don't hit it very far. But uh, So just start with what do you know and how is this going to work and how much is it going to impact the game? I don't think you're going to be as happy when you hear this, so here we go. So uh, the rollback, uh, they're going to be announcing an official rollback in the next couple of days. It's already been leaked out. Um, instead of a bifurcated two different golf balls for the tour and, and regular golfers, amateur golfers, it is going to be a rollback for all. I am anti, and I will explain here uh, some reasons why. Um, there's really, they did, and these are all from USGA reports, um, 28,000 PGA pros in America voted 
against it big time. So you know that 99, they, they polled uh, 2 million average golfers, 99.5% of them voted against this. Wow. Um, this, yes. The rule is really going to protect 50 old courses, the RNA. It's really crazy because golf is exploding. I mean, you got a few people in favor, Rory, Tiger, Jack. Um, Tiger really wants bifurcated. Rory likes this, but it's an advantage probably for him. Um, but here's some just quick numbers. The average LPGA golfer, female golfer, flies the ball 220 yards in the air. The average male amateur golfer flies the ball 215 yards in the air. Uh, the average female amateur golfer flies the ball 147 uh, member or yards in the air. And this is all from the USGA. And the tour, the average L, uh, PGA Tour player flies the ball 283 yards in the air. And that's for 223 or 2023. So when you hear those numbers and now you're looking about basically a 5% roll back across the board, I uh, it's just disappointing. It's ridiculous. Golf has uh, participation in golf declined yearly from the inception of the Pro V1 in, 20, in 2000, down 16% all the way through 2018 rounds of golf. And since COVID, we've had an 18% increase in rounds of golf played. Uh, so golf is finally exploding, right? And now you're going to go and make the game, you know, less fun. There's all these new avenues and outlets. And I just, I play a lot of golf with a lot of different skill sets of players and no one leaves there that is an average golfer going, I just dominated the golf course today. I mean, I literally think about it from your standpoint or all of my, my buddies that are, you know, just average golfers who are working people who love it, who, you know, want to play when they get a chance or whatever. It's just not anything that makes sense for your average golfer. And you have people chiming in that, I mean, it, it's pretty heated and it's going to get even more heated. Uh, this would, if voted in, will take effect for the 2026 beginning in the major season. Now, I've already heard that a lot of the PGA Tour players, now with all this new framework and board and all that, they're going to probably vote against it. They're going to, I mean, there could be a, a, a situation, a very strong chance there could be a scenario where they play this ball in four majors and that's it because the PGA Tour got players are going to have to have a unanimous vote that they're going to adapt to it. And they're already saying, I mean, they're most of them are anti Rory's the only one that's really come out and said, you know, uh, there's just other ways to do this. The rule wouldn't take effect until 2028 for amateur golf. So you can only bet that people would be stocking up 2026, seven, um, for, for amateur, you know, for holding the, the longer golf ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that, you know, it's just, it's really, and from my standpoint, it's all against people that, it's to really hurt people that hit it at 120 to 125 miles per hour. I'm now swinging at 125 miles per hour, longer than, faster than I ever have, but I've learned that, worked out for that, and I just think you should celebrate the athleticism. It's, it, yes, that is the, does the ball have something to do with it? Does the driver have something to do with it? Sure, but the clubhead speed doesn't. Like, I, I've learned to hit it further, and I'm going to be penalized the most right i average carrying it 320 yards right now um i'm I'm hitting it further than ever but i've really really worked at that so now i'm going to be affected five percent because they're going to max the ball out their plan is to max the ball that won't fly over 317 yards in the air that's the current play so and it really doesn't matter and i'd say one other thing is you know 
One of the hardest holes in professional golf is 155-yard par 3 at TPC Sawgrass. Literally one of the hardest holes relative to par every year that has a green as flat as your kitchen table. So maybe it's not the golf ball, right? Maybe it's not what needs to happen. There's a lot of other things that you could do. And I've been to the Timeless Ball Plant, the Callaway Ball Plant, and I can just tell you, trust me, the cost of this will be passed down to all of us. Golf is in a great place. Golf is so good for so many things. Therapy, people, get out. Get outside and get some vitamin D. Get away from your devices, right? Kids getting away from their devices to go out on a golf course. I mean, there's some really good things that are going to be hurt by this because people want to have fun when they play golf, and they want to hit it as far as they can. And not, you know, it just... It just doesn't make sense. Yeah, well, I want to be clear on I'm, I'm with you as far as the amateurs. I, I I can't believe that they're going to institute this, and you're right. I'll be buying all the golf balls because I I need all the help I can get. Uh, I'm going to play Everyone the other does. side of the card for the pros, um, Casey, and, and I, I don't think this should relate to amateur golf or, or you know, weekend golfers. But for the pros, I am going to be honest with you. Um, I, I sometimes watch these tournaments and think, you know, you know 500-yard par four and the guys, you know, hitting an eight iron in. I mean, it just, I, I, so I, from, from the professional standpoint, I do think sometimes, even on some of the courses they play, um, it's just about how far you can hit it. It's driver wedge all the time. I, I, I still enjoy a par five watching the pros and there are occasionally you get one that they can't reach it into. I, I mean, I, it's nice to think I, or I if did, they do, I, they've got to hit yeah. it 300 yards to get there. So I, I don't really have a problem right. for this for the professional golfers. There's some stuff there in, in the professional golf that some people would, would think that, but uh, there's a lot of things you can do to combat that. I mean, the cheapest thing to do would be key height experiment, right? They haven't brought in the best players to even weigh in on this. The governing bodies do so much for the game. But it, if you're really going to try to penalize the best players or, or, or adjust it for the best players, then you should probably bring in a whole sample of the best players. And really, of all age groups, right? Bring in some Champions Tour guys. Bring in some LPGA players. If you're going to try to make this a professional, because it's going to affect the LPGA as well, and what the LPGA really needs, they, their highest rated event this year was finally an event where they made a drivable far four for, for females, because they're already reach, you know, risk reward for the males. The, the LPGA golfers, they can't even get to the par fives. They, they rarely get to go to the par fives. And so this universal rule, I think, is to your point, too, uh, you, you know, as Tiger Woods said yesterday, bifurcation, really, if you're going to make an adjustment, it's got to be bifurcation. I mean, you change and you have a ball for the, the pros. That's pretty easily done. Um, and it's still at a big cost, but there's a lot of other things you can do in advance, and they're really trying to protect where the RNA is located, which is the old course at St. Andrews, and, and maybe a few more. And, and Augusta National wants to roll back as well. And so... Uh, that'll probably be the first tournament it kicks off with in 2026 Masters. Wow. All right. <laughs> well, we'll continue to discuss this, and uh, it is interesting to, to say the, the least. One final question on it, though. I, I, I get the impression, based on what little you said and what little bit I've read, that the RNA is behind this more than anybody else, it appears to me. It's the RNA and... You know, 50, uh, Marion, right? I played Marion this year. It's a landlocked course in Philadelphia, host majors. You know, Cypress Point, they're not even behind it. But, it, you know, there's some really old traditional courses that are landlocked that really can't host anything. But there's so many courses that can host, it, host stuff, right? 
And those courses that can't are still going to be just as revered because of the course and, and their members still benefit from that. I mean, there's the, the really truly amateur game hasn't gotten any better. Like it's statistically across the board. The amateur golfer hasn't improved with the advance of technology because courses have gotten harder. Right. And so they made courses harder to affect the pros. And now, you know, I talked to a golf course owner who's got eight golf courses. He's his, you know, family guy, self-made, but he's finally experiencing a really big boom. And he was just so distraught and devastated because he's seeing an uptick. He's seen both sides of this. He's seen where it's really been tough. There were tough times there, you know, post-recession. And so, it, 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 there's a lot of people out there that are really upset at the regular, like we always talk about on this show, there's two types of golf, pro golf and regular golf. And there's a lot of people playing regular golf right now that this will negatively affect. It will not move up a tee box because they don't, they, you know, they're too proud or whatever. And then they're going to, they're still going to see their scores go up and they're going to go, you know what? This is too hard. Yeah. I'm going to quit. I got it. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I'm, I'm willing to move up on a tee box. I'm turning 60 uh, in <laughs> June. You, you can bet I'm going to be moving up. Everyone should move up. Everyone should move up. All right, Casey, uh, let's get to some on course stuff. And that was the hero world challenge. Boy, Scotty Scheffler's so good. Uh, when he makes some putts, I mean, it's almost, it's almost illegal. Uh, you know, he won. This is a star-studded limited field event. He won by three shots, which is a big, big margin when you consider the jam behind him. Seb Straka, a former Georgia golfer and uh, Birmingham resident, 17-under. And Justin Thomas, a solo third, really was solid, uh, particularly the last three rounds. He got off to a poor start on Thursday, and that led to still shot 70, but then 67, 68, 67. If he has, you know, a 67 or 8 um, in round one, he's battling Scotty for the for the victory. So Scheffler, really good. Justin Thomas looking like he's getting back to form. Yeah, I mean, congrats to Scotty Scheffler. 69, 66, 65, two eagles in round three and in the 68. Uh, really probably sets him apart. He, uh, this boutique putter maker has to be thrilled today. A, a brand new startup boutique putter maker. Uh, he, he switched to their, their putter for this tournament. That, wow. <laughs> they got to be wow. thrilled. Um, just some putters away from a Scotty Cameron, uh, for, he'd been using forever, you know, and, uh, they have to be just on cloud nine today. And then, uh, you know, we had two Alabama guys, uh, finished second and third. Sepp Straka in second, JT in third, uh, Sepp at minus 17. JT, you know, there's a lot of good stuff going on in his game. He, he had a triple in round one, which I was like, here we go. Here's JT of this year. And he bounced back to go, you know, finish at 70. And he, he had a 67, 68, 67. I mean, he had five bogeys. Scotty had six. If, he ta- if you take the triple away, you know, he probably loses by one. Scotty made two eagles in a round. It's a little rare. Uh, so JT, when you really look at it from a uh, big picture, uh, it's as good as Scotty played. Yeah, he's a hole away from potentially tying the tournament. Uh, so I thought I watched some of it. I thought JT's game looked good. Looks like Sheffers freed up a lot more. He talked about a lot being less robotic and putting. And to me, it looks like JT's playing a lot more free. Uh, and that, you know, I saw some of the clips in the Africa event. Saw a lot of his, his action the last yesterday, last night. And uh, I, I think you know if he can just keep this going, and that's the mentality, and that's the framework. Going forward, he doesn't have all those people on the range with him and uh, paralysis by analysis. So uh, I thought that was great. Tiger Woods. Yeah, I was going to Tiger, so just go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Tiger shot even par, but boy, he uh, he looked good doing and, it. And after a 75 and yeah. opening round, he really settled in. 
he settled in. He said he was a little nervous the first time he'd done it in a while. And he, he was trying to talk about getting into the round quicker and he gets in the round the last couple of days right at the start. And then, as I mentioned last couple of weeks, I thought that he would be back in a bigger fashion. If he continues to stay healthy, he's talking about playing one tournament a month, every month, all year. Seems like that's very doable. That's up from, you know, two or three tournaments the last couple of years. And if he keeps giving himself chances like that, that prediction last week I think will come true because he's still got his hands. And he was, he hit it past JT in the opening round a couple of different times. Just both of them hit a good drive, and his was past him. So wow. as Ricky Fowler said, there may be some shots he can't hit, but there's a lot of shots that he can hit. And his short game is a little rusty. And then, you know, we'll see them both uh, back at the PNC Parent-Child on December 14th. So that'll be fun to watch. Uh, both of them playing, JT playing with dad and, and Tiger playing with his son, Charlie, who's a rising star. No doubt. Uh, John yeah, Robbins, you going to lose? I heard that uh, Charlie Woods is, is guy loving some Alabama golf, too. Oh, really? So that's, uh, yeah, that's oh, something to put in your... Thanks. The JT influence. Yeah, let's keep an eye on Charlie Woods. Can he want to have a future Crimson Tiger? Wouldn't that be some? Of course, Tiger's opening the little uh, mini golf course out here in Alberta City, so that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, uh, John Rahm, is he going to live? I hear yes. I heard $300 million guaranteed, $600 million total. If there's not oh, a, yeah. if there's a, if there's an agreement that, that they come back and play together, it would only be three hundred. If it stays all live and live doesn't get a deal done, it convert to six hundred. Scott didn't grow up with hardly anything. He never really had a full set of clubs till he turned. He was like 16 or 17. I mean, you know, it's it's really hard to blame him. He's tried. He's given patience, and there's just a lot of chaos in, at at the top of the chain and tour golf right now. And it, it'd be hard to turn that down. Now, it's not a done deal. I think he's wanting to see what happens. I don't think you'll see anything until early January after this deadline is is met from the PGA Tour. And, and to live to get a deal done together or not. Wow, interesting stuff. All right, final uh, moment here. Casey, Alabama gets it done against the dogs over there in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Sent them home, and now they're in the college football playoff, regardless of what people think about it. I think Alabama is certainly one of the four best teams, and uh, Saban's got a chance to, to win a seventh national title at Alabama and eighth overall. Yeah, I mean, Alabama, you know, as an Atlanta resident, the 2017 game would be hard to beat, you know, uh, given the ending, but um, this one was really special. Snapping their streak, uh, winning the SEC, proving we're a top-four team. You know, now it's time just to continue to, to link, as they say, right? Uh, I like I like our chances. Number four, when he's he's just so dangerous and the team's playing inspired and they look like they really, you know, they all care about each other and uh, really, really an easy team to pull for. Uh, really love this team, so... I, I'm sure, and, and Michigan's got issues against the run, uh, and so uh, I like her chances. Great stuff, Casey. And uh, I know I've had several people ask me about the golf segment because it is kind of unique what we're doing. Uh, give your Twitter or X handle out so people can follow you on uh, social media. Yeah, if you want so to. it's Smith Casey Ten at Smith Casey Ten. Thanks, Gary. Thank you, buddy. Have a good day. Have a good week. All right, thank you. 1051, uh, T-Town Menswear, T-Town Gallery, University Mall, ready for Christmas, man. All the incredible menswear. And, of course, obviously, the Alabama football memorabilia. Uh, I've been giving it away every Friday here in our trivia contest. It's incredible, some of the things, items that he has. Get by and see Tom and the folks there at T-Town Menswear, T-Town Gallery in the University Mall. And we'll be back uh, one final segment. 
Uh, give us a phone call. we got time to squeeze one in on the Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline, 205-342-9904. Gary Harris, Justin Jones, back to wrap it up right after this. Show us your buck. Since 2011, Billy's Sports Grill, located on Main Avenue in historic downtown Northport, has been serving their legendary signature chicken sandwich, award-winning wings, and handcrafted cocktails. Billy's is also the spot to watch all your favorite sporting events with big screen, high-definition televisions, both dining rooms, at the bar, and outside on the beautiful patio. Come by and say hello to Kim and Lisa, the Billy's management dream team. Billy's good food, good friends, and good time. Already, you've got to try Tuscaloosa's unique breakfast, brunch, and lunch concept. Brick and Spoon, downtown Tuscaloosa, Timerson Square. It's fresh food with a Cajun flair featuring a full bar with build-your-own Bloody Marys and mimosas. Open daily, 7 a.m. until 2 p.m. Available for after-hours events, rehearsal dinners, receptions, and birthdays. They offer brunch and lunch catering. Call Brick and Spoon at 205-345-5551 for more information. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A beautiful day today. The sky's sunny, the high 62. Clear tonight with the low at 36. We stay dry tomorrow and Wednesday. Partly to mostly sunny both days with a cooling trend. The high tomorrow 58, the high Wednesday 52. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 60 degrees in Tuscaloosa. A national championship team covering a national championship team. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, 1054, let's squeeze in a phone call on the uh, Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline with Ground Chuck. Hey, Ground Chuck, what's up, buddy? Hey, Gary, I just had one important question for you. I wondered if that Albie guy on the show before you Gave you a hundred dollar bill this morning. <laughs> uh, he, he hasn't yet, but he 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 will. He'll he'll uh, he'll he'll pay up. I, I know he will. Although he was trying to say that you know the only reason Florida State didn't get in was because of Jordan Travis's injury. Well, regardless, they didn't they didn't get in, and Alabama did. So you're right. A, a bet's a bet, and and uh, yeah, well, it, it is with most people, but with them people that lean towards Auburn, I don't know. You know, maybe he maybe he can borrow it from his daddy. <laughs> uh, I'll be he'll he'll get it to me. I know I know he will. Uh, but... All right, well, uh, I'm, I'm glad they made it. You know, it, it was sure. I didn't. I was like you. I didn't have any ulterior motives. though, like reverse psychology. I just I really thought Georgia had the better team before the game, and I thought Georgia would win. You know, I knew we had a chance, just like you always got a chance, yeah. but. I was proud of. Well, they are really good. Georgia's a really good team, and you know, and, and like I said, and, and next year they'll be different. We'll, but both those teams probably should be in the playoff. But listen, I'm glad if it's come down come come down to one of them, I'm glad it's Alabama, not Georgia, right? <laughs> yeah, me and you both. All right, good show, Gary. Yeah, and final thought on that. Uh, one of the great things about being over there Saturday at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, just in addition to Alabama winning the game, and you were there too, uh, was not having to have grown men and women barking in your face after the game when you're trying to get out of there. Uh, I didn't hear a single bark. It was quiet. It was quiet on the barking front. And uh, Georgia fans having to live with the fact that I guess Nick Saban still does own Georgia and uh, Alabama's the SEC champions. All right, great show. want to thank uh, 
all the great, great sponsors, including Patterson Comer Attorneys at Law for the second hour. A reminder that uh, I'll be back tomorrow with a Tuesday edition local sports tonight on WVUA 23 as well. For Justin Jones, I'm Gary Harris. Miller's Edge is coming up next. Have a great day, everybody. Alabama's in the college football playoff in the Rose Bowl against Michigan. More coverage coming up with uh, Christian Miller and Corey Miller and then with Matt and Lars at noon on Big Noon Sports. And then, of course, Fowler this afternoon will be cranking it out on the game from 2 until 6. Have a great day. Listening to the Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Hey, Crimson Tide.